So before we do anything, though, um, let's pray. Our Father, we, we thank you that as we gather, you're here. You're our Father who are in heaven, and we proclaim holy is your name. That's what we proclaim. We are in the presence of a holy God. And Lord, we recognize that we are sinful, and without Jesus Christ, we'd have no hope. Our worship would be empty. We thank you for your Son, who so loved the world that he came. Thank you that you sought us, and you saved us. And Lord, you have given us your word, your revelation, your heartbeat. Not only we learn about you, but we learn about what it means to follow you. Holy Spirit, I would pray in these moments you would teach us. You'd open our eyes and open our hearts to receive what you have. That we could see what it means to live in you, in the freedom there is in living in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a phone call from a man named T. Keith from Wisconsin. And Keith said, hey, I, I want you to know, I, I read your book, Normal Guy, and he said, I, I, I wondered if you would come to speak to a group of men over here. And as I kind of said, well, why? He said, because the men over here need to hear it. They need the message. And, I, and as he interacted more and more, he began to talk about the fact that the group of guys they had there, saved and unsaved, a really unique makeup of men, he said they're really struggling with just being men, real men, and the pressure to perform, and obviously when you're unsaved, you know, that, that adds a lot to it, um, to that distortion and deception. And, and I shared with him, I said, I'd love to come, but I just want to be on the front end of it, be, be honest with you up front, just like I was in the book. The key to what I'm going to share now and the key to the, everything either in the book or, or even what I'll share with them, God willing, is the gospel. Because sin will always take you away from who God created you to be. There'll always be distortion. Satan will always deceive you into thinking, go ahead, be somebody else, and, and, and there's always more. You never measure up. That's what he told Eve in the garden and Adam. You'll never be enough, so you, you need more. Sin will always distort. It always begins with the gospel because sin always leads you away from God's design. But when we come to faith in Christ, we are saved. We are saved not only from sin, death, and hell, but we're saved from a futile, empty way of life which we inherited. We've been given a new life, eternal life. We've been given power to live according to the unique way God created us. I, I, I tend to think we forget about the absolute corruption and ruin of our soul that sin has brought. It's corrupted everything. And so we're never more like the way we were created to be than when we're in Christ. So we begin with the gospel. Bear saying again, you're never more, you're unique than when you're in Jesus Christ. And so we begin with the gospel. 
because it's center to all of this that I'm going to share. And, and what I want to share this morning is really practical. Uh, um, faith with boots on. This is where we live, day in and day out, of trying to live out our uniqueness, our normal, who we are created to be, whatever phrase you want to use. The first one might surprise you. I mean, how, how can I live out my normal? How can I align my life, my day-to-day, with who God created me to be? How do I do that? One, value your family. Maybe you didn't see that one coming. Focus on the family in an article, and the author wrote this. A strong family identity helps children develop a strong and healthy self-identity. Knowing what makes their family unique, their traditions, their values, their ways of relating to one another, gives children a clear starting point for discovering their own place in the world. And studies even show that kids who report a strong connection to their family tend to be less promiscuous and face less risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Family identity, it's huge. Now, I want up front to say, I understand some of you when you think of the family you grew up in, you don't have good memories. A lot of hurt and a lot of pain in your upbringing. And so thoughts you have aren't real positive or real desirable. And so when you think right now, value, deep down you're saying, I'm not sure I can do that. But but I will add this. As much as the pain and the hurt came, or if you grew up in a really vibrant, healthy family dynamic, something happens from our family, and that is it forges deep convictions, does it not? One way or the other, even if you were hurt, painful, or you grew up in a really healthy environment, it forged convictions in your life. And so there's great value in the way you were raised with your family. I find it true in my family. I got a really unique family, fun Growing up, I learned masculinity from dad. John Wayne, that was my dad, pretty much. I had the great nurturing of my mom. I was fortunate to have both. Speaking of mom, I, I came across, I, I got to share this because I just read an article in this magazine called Higher Perspective as I sat in a clinic. And uh, the article said, did you know that talking to your mother has the same effect as a hug can help reduce stress levels? Because the sound of her voice releases oxytocin and is a great stress reliever. Isn't that amazing? Just the sound of mom's voice, and it's true. When I call mom, my mom, and talk with her, just, I don't know, it seems things are a little more bearable. Seems like maybe my challenges aren't It's quite humorous to talk to my mom because, um, as my kids will testify, um, before she asks how the kids are or anything, she wants to know how the St. Bernard is. She wants to know how her animals are. And so I like to say, Mom, the animals are fine, and so are we. And she giggles, and we'll always come back to it and ask how they are. And, and my siblings, I, I mean, think of your siblings if you had siblings growing up. Um, we are an incredibly diverse group, goofy and loving. When we get together, there's a whole lot of laughter and Kind of like a comedy show. Um, I think my kids kind of like hanging with my family because we are true to the proverb, laughter is medicine to the soul. We take a lot of medicine. It's interesting, the family dynamic. One time my oldest sister, 
years ago, Deborah, who I didn't interact a lot with back then. I interact more with her now. She calls me, and I mean out of nowhere. I pick up the phone. Hi, Deb. Good to hear your voice. And so I ask the question, what's up? It's not like you called me in a while. And, and she says, you know what, Matt? I just needed to laugh, and you make me laugh. That was it, the whole purpose of the call. Talk about no pressure, right? And I got to come up with the best line I could. Um, but my, I learned a lot. My role in my family helped me flesh out my uniqueness. I mean, my family helped me discover really the way I was wired, the way God designed me. And so learn from your family. Learn from your upbringing. Be patient with your family. Be loyal. I mean, there's some things we can do to foster this relationship. Quick to forgive, the Bible tells us. When you do that, our life becomes much more richer. And I would encourage you to tell someone in your family how much you appreciate them. Make it a priority to build relationships within them. Because I'm sure your uniqueness is meant to add to the richness of your home. Not only the family you grew up with, but certainly your family you have now. Cindy and my kids are beyond awesome, okay? And I won't go anymore because they won't like it when I break it down. But each is so wondrously normal. And I like that. It's fun watching them flesh it out a little bit. And, and, uh, and I'm sure there's peer pressure I'm not even aware of. But they seem to do a pretty good job of just being them. And being okay in that, their skin, as we would say. I think that's great. And so continue to invest in your family. Appreciate the uniqueness each one has. Affirm it. Learn to laugh at it. And sometimes you got to learn to laugh at yourself, right? And so invest in your family. I think it's really important. And, and I'm going to give you this for free, just as a side note, okay? Don't forget to express your love. Because I want you to be healthy, I say that. Because hugging has health benefits. The Children's Hospital in Milwaukee had this posting. This is what hugging does. It slowers your heart rate, lowers your blood pressure, helps regulate breathing, improve weight gain, lower stress hormones, decrease pain levels. It facilitates bonding. Pretty good reasons. According to the author Paul Planet, I'm a health nut. Because he writes, hugging's very healthy. Helps the body's immune system. It helps keep you healthier. It cures depression, reduces stress. It induces sleep. It's invigorating. It's rejuvenating. It has unpleasant it has no unpleasant side effects. Hugging is nothing less than a miracle drug. Hugging is all natural, it's organic, it's naturally sweet, contains no pesticides, preservatives, or artificial, artificial ingredients. It's 100% wholesome. You want to be healthy? You want your family to be healthy? Hug them. Science shows it's true. I think the Bible would affirm that. Value your family. It'll help you discover who you are, how you're wired. Second thing. Live positively. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. Philippians 4, 8, 9. It seems that what we set our mind on, according to Paul, matters. We cannot live out of our uniqueness if God is not in the equation of every area of our lives. You see, the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which means God in. 
Think about that. Where does enthusiasm come from? When you recognize God's in it. Then you can get excited about life. God's in it. When God's in the equation of your life, there comes now the potential for enthusiasm. It's where we learn to see circumstances and experiences through the reality that God's not only aware of what we face, he's allowed what we encounter in life. And when we believe and act on those truths, enthusiasm that will appear in our lives is amazing. If I want to be my normal or my unique and, and you want to be yours, we need to live positively. Because if we don't, we'll drift to a defeatist mindset. And that will begin to affect the way we perceive ourselves and others. We'll become a much lesser version of who God wants us to be. And I don't need to tell you, we live in an incredibly negative world. And it requires us to be intentional to do this. But some of you might not seem convinced. Well, I appreciate these words by Chuck Swindoll. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, more important than the past, than the education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a person, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change how other people will act. The only thing we can do is play on the one thing we have, and that is our attitude. He says, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Isn't that good? And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitude. The question is, what attitude will you choose? It strikes me, Colossians 3, 2 exhorts me to set our minds on things above, not on things of this earth. Practically think about that. Set your mind on things above. Is there anything negative in heaven? Is there anything that we would not desire but to be with him? Paul's getting at something. You set your mind on things above because it will affect the way you live, your perspective, your mindset, and your attitude. I'm going to give you some strategies that I found to help these. Quick but I, I think maybe they might help. They're scriptural. I stole them. <clears throat> Feed your mind what's good. It's important. Too much talk radio today. Let's be honest. That's a bummer. A lot of the music, movies, what we read, they all contribute towards living with a positive posture. Feed your mind that which is good. That comes right out of Philippians again. <clears throat> I would add this. Reflect before reacting. In other words, stop and learn. Stop and reflect on what's going on so your response can be one that's productive, not destructive. It's important. What, the way we approach unpleasantness in our life is really important. We need to approach it in a positive way. And this idea of self-talk, this endless stream of unspoken thoughts that run through our head, because they do over and over. The key is what grid will we use to approach them? Will we use God's truth? Will we trust the Holy Spirit in our mind? Or will we just take off down roads that we feel would be best or whatever we feel is warranted? We need to reflect before reacting. You'll find out the key to respond in the moment is the way that it's positive. When we resist reacting immediately, it gives us time to adjust to respond in a healthier way. And when we respond in a healthier way, 
It helps us to see the scenario in a healthier way. I would add, also speak well of others. You know, positively looking at others keeps the negative aspect of others in the background. And I find it surprising when I focus on what's good in other people and speak well of that. It just fosters a greater positivity to living. There's a lot of things, negative things people could say about me, and I'm glad they don't. Maybe we should be those who speak well of other people. Make it your goal each day to affirm some trait or action in a person you work next to. Your neighbor. Someone you interact with or lift weights with or go to Snap Fitness with. Make it your goal to say something positive. Build a bridge. Nothing builds a bridge more than that. Record moments where you see God's goodness. Mentally, maybe journalize a place where you can look back and remember the good things, all the good things God has and is doing. When you do that, we get the enthusiasm because we see God is in it. God's always been in it. And he continues to be good. The times God's provided, he healed, comforted, provided, they lay dormant in our minds when we don't reflect on them. And it impacts the way we look at life and live life. Enjoy the gift, and it is a gift, of laughter. Learn to laugh a little bit more, okay? Learn to lighten up. Cheerful hearts, good medicine, we're told. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 15, 13, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Want a cheerful face? You have a joyful heart. But with heartache comes depression. Proverbs 15, 15, for the despondent every day brings trouble for the happy heart. Life is a continual feast. Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time to laugh. Laughter's good. Learn to laugh. I've never seen anyone dying of laughter, but I fear I know many who are dying quickly because they are not laughing. Learn to laugh. It's a gift. Charlie Chaplin, an English actor, comedian, and filmmaker, whose work in motion pictures spanned from 1914 to 1967. And during his early years in film, he became established as an engaging and funny actor. And interesting enough, in 1910s and 1920s, he was considered the most famous person on the planet, according to Wikipedia. His life is best summed up in this quote of his, a day without laughter is a day wasted. So a lot of truth to that. Enjoy the gift of laughter. It's an important component of living positively. You'll gain perspective, and, and when I think of laughter, there's just times that you step, it helps me step back and just take a deep breath. So things aren't that bad. And so God's given you a gift, use it. And all of these steps contribute to living life positively. Now, in my continued desire that you would be healthy, I came across this article, The Health Benefits of Positive Thinking. I mean, we're going to leave here really healthy people, okay? Researchers continue to explore the effects of positive thinking and optimism on health. Health benefits that positive thinking may include, tell me if you would desire this, increased lifespan, lower rates of depression, lower rates of distress, greater resistance to the common cold, better psychological and physical well-being, better cardiovascular health and reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease, better coping skills during hardships and times of stress. Who does not want those things? 
And the result, we're told, of living positively. Having a positive posture as you approach life. And the research tells us to live the day positively. But let's be honest, it all begins the way you begin the day, doesn't it? That's why we continually encourage you and disciple, get into scriptures in the morning. Get your mind right. Or maybe your, your work shift creates a different dynamic for you. But begin your day. Commit your day and your attitudes to God. Allow scripture to dictate how you're going to look at life, not your scenarios. Begin by setting your mind on things above. There's a Positive Outlooks blog by Jay Danzi. And Danzi writes, he says, Your smile is your logo. Your personality is your business card. How you leave others feeling after an experience with you, that becomes your trademark. Being your unique you, your normal, requires living positively. And when we do that, we, we leave others feeling better. I think that's a trademark we all would aspire to have. So value your family, family, live positively. They'll all help you grow and align your life with who you were created to be. And I would also add, discern your unique mission. Discern what God has called you to do, who he's called you to be. Acts 13, 36, the author of Acts, Luke writes, after David served the purposes of God, he fell asleep. And it great. I mean, it's just one little verse. It's like hidden amongst them. Think, put your name in there. Wouldn't, who here wouldn't want to be able to say, after Matt served the purposes of God, he fell asleep? I mean, be clear. What, what is God calling you to do? Because if you're not clear on that, good luck trying to serve the purposes that God's called you to. You need to know what it is. And a big part of that is self-awareness. How's God created you? How's he wired you? What's the environment he's put you in? There's a lot of factors that go into this. Jason Houck says to be successful in businesses and life, he says, requires three things. Passion, self-awareness, and patience with the first two. I mean, what's your passion? What, what passion has God given you? And, and be aware of how you were created to be. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12 paraphrase says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Because long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. And he had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Paul exhorted Timothy, so watch your life. Translation says even better, pay attention to your life and doctrine closely. In other words, have an awareness of yourself, of your life. We're told in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians, Paul says he's trying to teach the believers, I want you to be aware, he says, you have spiritual gifts. You discover what they are. And so if we're to discern our personal mission, we need to be aware of those things. Our personality, our giftedness, our passions, the opportunities God's given us, they all go into that. That's why your next step last week was to maybe take a personal assessment, to learn a little bit more. Now, personal assessments aren't gospel. I went to a Strength Finders one, and uh, one time a, a seminar, I was interacting with the guy, and I'm like, you're not even close to who I am. <laughs> but, but there, some are really good. 
And, uh, but in each case, even in that one, I learned a little bit about me. But they're helpful because they kind of give us a picture and help us maybe to see, oh, well, maybe I'm limiting my ability to interact here or in, impact over here. And so learn more about yourself. It's important. I'm convinced there's a place in our lives I call sweet spot. If you ever play baseball and a batter hits it in a sweet spot, you hardly hear a sound. You just see it go. Okay? I think Kyle Nyquist, his middle name's Sweet Spot. Okay? It, it's, it's a spot in life where you, you're really aligned well. Aligned with your passions, your giftedness. You've aligned your, your, your platform, so to speak, or your sphere of influence. There's great alignment, and you're in your sweet spot. And there's great fruit because of it. We need to learn to align our personality, abilities, spiritual disciplines, personal mission, and opportunities so we can influence other people. The more we cultivate each of these areas, the greater the basis we have to discover what we're capable of accomplishing in Christ. And it's important to believe God can use you. He wants to use you. And it's worth taking that time to discover how we're wired. We live in such a noisy world. And I know, because I go through the same thing you do during the week, there's many people trying to tell you what to do and who to be. And I know this because of all the infomercials and commercials, the media opinions and all the promotions. I can flip through the channels today, and I can discover how to lose 10 pounds in a week, get ripped, ripped abs, improve my cardio, cook only organic, build a million-dollar business, flip houses, get rid of cellulite, improve my sex life, and a whole lot more. The whole world's telling you what to do and who to be. Let God guide it. And be really content with who he's created you to be, with your personality and your passions. And as you grow in him, he'll continue to expand your influence and impact. But you and I need to be clear on something. What's your mission in life? Are you clear on it? There's a phrase I like to get to, less confusion, more clarity. Are you clear on what God's called you to do, who he's called you to be. We know as a Christian, we're called to the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations. That's a non-negotiable. God doesn't say, hey, anyone interested? Anyone volunteer? We're all called as Christians to do that. So there's not one person here who cannot include in their personal mission reaching a dying world with the gospel. It's all part of our mission. So there are some things that are biblically really, really clear that are part of your mission. And you need to be crystal clear on that. And you need to discern what it is in your life. When we do, we live with a sense of urgency. Because self-awareness and discovering who God created us to be leads us to an identify a personal mission that will give guidance to our priorities and our activities. It also allows us to focus on our sphere of influence. I've had over the years some um, young people who graduated and, and they've come and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if God's calling me to the mission field. And I, and I tell them the same thing every time. If you can't go next door with the gospel, don't think about going overseas. Because you got your personal mission right there, right next door, in your home. Start there. And we would be wise to focus on the sphere of influence God's given us. Because the reality is you and I are books other people are reading and the pages, new pages are being added every day. Make sure you're careful what's on those pages. 
It affects the way you impact those around you. What do your neighbors see? What does your family see? What do those in the church see? Be wise to consider those questions. God's positioned you where you are in regard to relationships and your location. Another one that really, believe it or not, helps you and I align our life. This is one that might surprise you too. Discover the power of words. Now this isn't my idea. Jesus brought up a key connection in Luke 6.45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in here. God made a connection between your mouth and the condition of your heart. And if we're going to live out who God created us to be, who he's transformed us to be, we need to make that connection too. You need to discover the power of words. We were created to communicate in ways that encourage other people to be who they were created to be. Do you realize that? Every person here has been created to speak in a way that points others as the Savior, that blesses them. Every person's been created in such a way that words bring clarity to the condition of our alignment. Your words are flags, and there's power in our words. The Bible shows again and again a connection between our hearts and minds. Because our words not only reveal what's in our heart, but our words also affirm the authenticity of our pursuit of being unique. They tell us something about how serious we are about this. Proverbs 18.21 tells us the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Pretty interesting. Words are not simply sounds of air passing through our larynx. Words do more than convey information. There's power in our words. Are we using them to build up or bless or harm? Mouth of the righteous produces wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what's appropriate, but the mouth of the wicked only what's perverse. Proverbs 10.31. Ephesians 4 tells us, speak only what is edifying. Put all unwholesome talk out of your mouth. Now think practically for a moment. Why do people swear? I mean, practically, and we can easily say, well, because, because they're sinful. Yeah, but let's even break it down even more than that. In my experience, people swear for a couple reasons. One is it's an illegitimate attempt for authority. Words, I'm going to use such language that I'm going to show... I'm in charge of this. Secondly, to fit in. And notice both aspects are not genuine. They're inauthentic. And they take people away from who they were created to be. We don't often think of that, but there's really a practical reason that God says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And that's a flag. Pay attention to your speech. Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The tongue that heals, that's a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15, 1 to 4. Bottom line is we have a choice to build up or tear down. If you want to live and grow in being your normal, your uniqueness, then steward your words well. Counsel. Scripture. I'm going to go through these next two quick, but they're important. Develop honest friendships. 
And when I say honest, I mean the ones that will help you be who God created you to be, not those who will just flatter you. You, you want those who are, I call, roll up your sleeves committed to you becoming who God created you to be. And sometimes that means calling you on a carpet. Sometimes that means saying, I don't think that's the decision you really want to make. I don't think that's a direction God would want you to go. Or sometimes just saying, just, that's not who you are. Why, why are you doing that? Those type of relationships are important. This is a good chance to point out to teenagers who your friends are is incredibly important. They're either going to point you to God or they're not. They're either going to help you become who God created you to be and accept you that way, or they're not going to accept you and want to try to conform you to their group or their way. Be very careful who you choose as friends. Very careful. And so I'm sure your parents probably said that, and so I can add to that. And the reason is because it's important. Very important. Develop honest friendships. You might be surprised to know the words friendly, friend, and friendships used over a hundred times in the Bible. It seems like it might be important. Choose close friends. When I think of my close friends without exception, I think of ways they help me become a better person. There's something about a close friendship which we would call back in the day a kindred spirit that helps us to become who God wants us to be. And last but not least, in all of these, as you look at these first steps, this one's kind of the bow on it. You need to trust God in this all. You need to trust God that his wisdom is better than yours. Louis Giglio writes, Jesus supplies what we need in the moment, for the day, for the season. And then he provides another grace after that, and another grace after that. Grace isn't a one-time deposit. It's a moment-by-moment relationship with God where we trust Jesus to be in us and through us and for us. And we trust he will come through in his own time and in his own way. And when we have no comeback, the comeback is that Jesus is enough. I love that. Jesus is enough. In other words, we can get knocked down. I mean, we could have made big time, big time mistakes. But the comeback is Jesus is enough. We can get back up again. We begin to live the life he's called us to. But to do that requires us to trust him, to trust his word, to trust that the words we speak matter. We need to trust that when we value our family, it makes a difference. We need to trust the fact that when I discover and discern my unique mission, there's going to be a passion and an energy that comes. I need to trust God in that. You and I can trust God to work in and through us as we take these steps. Because we know God's building something far greater than we can see in our life. He's building something far greater in your life also. We only see the pieces of it, and we might not like the pieces all the time. Might not make any sense why they're there. But we can trust he's building us and making something magnificent, as we talked about last week. For we are God's workmanship, God's poem, God's masterpiece that he's building. We can trust that. Above and around us, God directs a grander saga written by his hand, orchestrated by his will, unveiled according to his calendar. And you're part of it. You and I are part of what God's writing. Because in God's story, your normal, my normal matters. 
Unique men and women become conduits of divine activity. It's the way he chose to work. God has you and I, has a part for you and I to play as we walk this earth. We can have an extraordinary impact because of his presence and using us just as we are. And you and I can be sure Jesus will always lead us to a greater alignment with who he created us to be. He will always lead us that way. Years ago, Cindy became incredibly sick. She'd become incredibly weak, lost a lot of weight. She became dizzy often. She had no appetite. Her chest felt heavy, and she carried the frustration of having very little energy to do much at all. And she suffered miserably for months. After several visits to multiple doctors, some blowing her off, an array of tests, no diagnosis, no relief was given. It was hard to watch. I felt, even more, she felt helpless. A friend suggested we expand our care to include a chiropractor. Neither one of us had ever gone to a chiropractor, and both of us were skeptical. But we were desperate. After her initial visit, the initial adjustment brought instant relief. Matter of fact, she actually said it felt like a miracle. The chiropractor shared that her back and her neck were so far out of alignment that it was putting stress on the rest of the body. And after she continued a couple more treatments, her body became fully aligned, providing amazing relief. She had freedom of movement. She had health. She had energy to enjoy activities again, invest in her family's lives in a greater way. And after all the doctor's tests and efforts, it took an alignment to gain health. Cindy paid a great price for being out of alignment. And likewise, so will you if your life's out of alignment. You'll be left with stress in many areas of your life. There will be little freedom or confidence. Performance will become your default behavior. And when we're out of alignment, we become unhealthy emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. We leave little in the way of impacting others in our journey if we're not aligned with who God's uniquely created us to be. That's why these issues are so important. The degree to which we align our lives with our normal, our uniqueness, is the degree to which we have an impact on others' lives. When we align our speech, we build other people up resulting in extraordinary influence. When we recognize the value of people in our family, we align our lives so as to demonstrate to them we value them. We have an extraordinary impact, even into the next generations. When we align our lives with an attitude that's positive, we affect the whole atmosphere of where we live, work, and socialize. When we live authentically, we cast aside all the wasted time, all the wasted energy of trying to perform and posture. We're best able to glorify God than with an honest heart. When we realize our personal mission, it brings a drive and an energy to living. When we are intentional in building close friendships, we're experiencing the joy and necessary support to journey well. When we trust God, we experience his grace in providing us with a new start, along with the power to persevere in that. I hope you see the connection. When aligned with your normal, with your unique, the places you traffic in become alive. Your home is warm and connected because Christ who's within you. Your workplace is better because your uniqueness is there. Your marriage is stronger because of your uniqueness. There's no area of your life unaffected by your influence. It begins with discovering 
who God's created you to be and living in alignment with it. And believe me, there's a satisfying experience and a confidence and freedom that comes from that. The greater the alignment, the greater the passion. The greater the alignment, the greater the impact. And the greater the alignment, the greater the reality that your uniqueness, my uniqueness, your normal, my normal is extraordinary. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for each person here. I ask that you would draw them to yourself first and foremost. Help each person to discover who they are in you and to experience the freedom and the confidence in walking with you. Please take each hand and lead them to a greater love for you, the greater love for others around them. And might you help us and empower us to live a life in all our uniqueness for the praise of your name. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.